Exodus chapter 22, we're going bit by bit through the law here. Um, he gave the Ten Commandments, and, and now he's giving elaborations uh, in these points, and it seems as though these points are, are um, they're explanations of the Ten Commandments. Okay, so how are we going to put the Ten Commandments to use? It seems as though chapter 21 and chapter 22, and a little further, that it's that it's giving us some practical understanding of how to apply those commandments to love God and love our neighbor. He says in chapter 22 and verse 28, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Some believe that the word gods there, and it is Elohim, it is Elohim, when the Pharisees confronted the Lord Jesus that he had declared himself God, he made mention of the Old Testament concerning the gods. And, and so, yes, Elohim is in the beginning God, Genesis 1.1, but it also means that the, the judges are rulers. So it's talking about, in the context of this verse, you can see the second part of the verse is talking about the ruler of thy people. So it's talking about those that have administrative oversight. This is, uh, apparently this is the correct definition, again, because it's talking about the ruler of the people in the second part of the verse so what what is the rest of this saying how do this how does this apply to loving God and also loving our neighbor well that word revile means to slight or seem insignificant um, the uh, a few years ago our uh, the president at the time had given a state of the union speech and customary the state of the union speaker he hands a speech to the speaker of the house and then they do what they do with it well the speaker of the house took the, his speech and tore it up in pieces. You might remember that. Well, she reviled in the public eye. She reviled the gods, the the uh, the ruler of the people, the president. She also uh, cursed or expressed loathing toward the ruler or the chief. So yes, that was a, a forward demonstration of a violation of this law. But also, the, I, I believe I'm guilty of this law, and I believe that if we're those anybody that's ever taught politics, either they've walked that line or they've crossed it in sin. So to, let's get some definitions here. Does this mean that we can't be critical, and does that mean that that it's not possible to to stand up and say, "Wait a second, this isn't right"? Well, Paul withstood Peter, didn't he? I mean, it's it's not saying that the rulers over everything are right about everything that they do. That's right. It's just our our judgments and our opinions considering them. There, there's a natural respect, and we're gonna we're gonna see um, we're gonna see in the New Testament how that plays out. So to revile means to to consider slight or insignificant, a trifling thing or of little of account, even despicable. Uh, I know of one man that, that he disdained his pastor so much that he would only call him by his last name. He wouldn't even call him brother. He would just say so-and-so. Wouldn't even call him by his, by his first name, but called him by his last. He was contemptuous in his sight. He, he despised him, and, and in an attempt to dishonor him, he would do that any way he could. The That word gods there, again, it... it we may interpret it, the, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, but in this verse it, it appears as though it's, a, it, it's an administrative role of, of mankind. So then to curse one would be to execrate them or to feel or express a, a loathing or dislike, a disgust for them. 
We know what a ruler is, a chief, a captain, a leader. And then speaking of the people, the kinsmen, the kinfolk, the Jews. So then what was what was the application of this? Well, the just in a nutshell, God had appointed a man to lead Israel out of Egypt. Okay? And in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24, the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? As human beings, we're prone to criticize and prone to loathe our administrators, aren't we? In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2, Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. We're prone to that. Verse 8, Moses said, This shall be... This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your mur- and what are we, he says, meaning Moses and Aaron. Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So as we murmur and as we consider, even Moses, he was a man appointed by God. He was, he was a godly man, a sinner, but a godly man. Those that have a position and rank are set there by God. And it is the sinful nature of man to respond against such. In Exodus chapter 17, and it exposes us all, it really does. A child will, will rise up, and we, we studied that when we were studying in depth the, the commandments, that a child by nature will rise up against their parents and, and dishonor his father and mother, rather than honoring their father and mother, that one that is over them. And in that sense, a parent isn't always right. But that's no place to revile or curse a parent, even in their wrongness, you see. It's, it's a matter of the heart. And in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 3, the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. So you notice what just happened there, and and it's extensive what they said. Not only did they blame Moses for their their current predicament, but they also had had laid it against Moses that God had brought them out of Egypt for naught, and that God had forsaken his promises to the fathers and that he would deliver them into the promised land, but they accused him of violating the promises of God and bringing them out to murder them in the desert. Well, if we were to consider what we're actually saying sometimes when we, when we revile the gods or curse the rulers of our people, we're, we're making charges against God. Now, yes, we are... These, these people that are in public office, they will be held accountable. I believe people that, and the Bible bears that out, the Word of God bears that out, The people that have, that have um, positions of authority will give account for, the, for their use of their authority. But as the children of God, how are we to behave? What well, says right here in the text, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse, curse the ruler of thy people. We're to honor the judges and the rulers of our people. If I were to meet the president, I should shake his hand, regardless of who that is, or her hand. Now, I, people have varying opinions of, of having women in leadership. I personally uh, don't believe, I believe that leadership roles are reserved for men. That's what the Bible teaches. 
But should this nation elect a female president, then she would be president. I could not say she's not. She would be president. So so the opposite of reviling and cursing the gods would be to honor that judge or that ruler or that leader for the office that they're in, to honor them for that. We see this naturally flow from us when we get pulled over, don't we? Oh, that policeman might be a dirty cop, but guess what? It's yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, regardless of who they are, because it's the badge. It's not the person. It's the badge that we have deep respect for. To to express a deep expression of of respect, then, to the ruler of our people, that, that would be something that we're supposed to be doing. This is not calling the people of God to be blind to sin, okay? So just as much as the Lord Jesus Christ was not railing on Caesar the entire time uh, or any time that he was uh, in his public ministry or any other time, he was not railing against him. He was also not blind to the sin. Remember, he said to beware of the leaven of Herod and of the Pharisees. He, He knew that there was sin in the realm of Rome. He was not blind to it. And he actually pointed it out. And he was not blind to the, to the fact that the, 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 the leaders in, in, uh, in, 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 the, in, in Judaism, that those Pharisees, that they were sinners. He was not blind to that. But also he spoke to them as with respect. When he sat in Pilate's court, he spoke to him respectfully, didn't he? Sure did. If anybody could have exalted himself and spoken in, in a belittling or reviling way, to, to the leadership at that time, it would have been Jesus Christ himself being God in the flesh, but he did not do that. As a sheep before his, slaugh- before his slaughters, right? He vi- reviled not again, it says, right? So you're studying the book of Acts that the apostles, when they were brought before the leaders, they, they called those leaders to repent. They told them that Jesus Christ had brought repentance and forgiveness of sins, thus they are sinners in need of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And they did that in the most respectful way. Paul did the same thing. So did the Lord Jesus Christ. So in all things, they did so honorably and respectfully. And that is exactly how the children of God are supposed to behave. Honorably and respectfully before even the most vile and wicked of leaders. Thou shalt not revile the gods, the the, the captains, the, uh, the overseers, the rulers, nor curse the ruler of thy people. It's the moral duty of the children of God, then, to honor and respect the powers that be. In Numbers chapter 12, you see more of this. And after, that was before they had the commandment. Now, after they have the commandment, in Numbers chapter 12, you might, you might think, oh, well, they, they learned the lesson. Well, how readily do I learn this lesson? In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman which he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Nowhere does it say, I mean, okay, so it says Ethiopian. It seems as though, because she was of the, of the lineage of Jethro, that there was uh, a, a distance relationship. She was not a Jew, but there was a distance relationship out of uh, with, with Abraham and, and this woman. Not Abraham and the Ethiopian woman, but they were there was a, a parallel of lineage there. But whatever the case, they were railing against him. They were reviling him because of a situation that he was in, good, bad, or indifferent. So take the woman out of it. They were accusing him now at this time. He was already proven to be God's man, and God spoke to him to the face, you see. 
But here, here they have this reviling, and you see that it did not prove out profitably for them. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and against and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we have had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? It's pretty ugly language, isn't it? Reviling the gods of the leaders, thus reviling God himself. Chapter 16 and verse 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. There was a, a staged mutiny at hand here. Speaking out against the leaders. Chapter 20 and verse 2 of Numbers. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Chapter 21 and verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. See, they've lost all decency. Now they're just outright speaking against God. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. God's provision and you men that are leading us, none of it's good enough, none of it's satisfactory enough. We, we, we discount, oh, we loathe this light bread. And that is the word for cursing, to execrate. We loathe this light bread. There's really no end to it, is it? There's no satisfaction of the heart of man under leadership. Man cannot be ruled. It's enmity against God, the natural man is, Romans chapter 7. Enmity. Chapter 8, rather. It's an enmity against God. And deep down, men do not desire to be submitted. Deep down, men will not desire that they should be ruled, and thus will find fault with every single thing that men do. Can you imagine day by day by day by day, this camp finding fault after Moses had spoken with God and came down and his face shone? He had to wear a veil. He received the law, the commandments. And as that, that light was shining around them, uh, the, the, the cloud by, by, by day and the fire by night, and, all, and as they were doing their sacrifices every day for sin, that they still had cause to rise up against that leadership that God had set up. But it happens, and it happens to this day. You notice that in the, in the, in the, um, the, the passage here, he says, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of my people. You see here an exhortation to devoutness. Okay? Having or showing deep religious feeling and commitment. Well, why? Why can I not revile the gods? Or why should I not curse the ruler of, of our people? First and foremost, because God said so. It's nice to have real fine explanations and things be all nice and tied up in a theological bow and we have all understanding, but sometimes the theological answer is, I don't understand, but that's what God says and that's what I'm supposed to do or that's what I'm not supposed to do. So, because God said so, we, we shall not, we shall not revile the gods. We shall not 
hold them in contempt or dishonor them or to, 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 to loathe them or, or draw them down, does that mean we cannot, again, criticize them? No, it does not mean that they're free of criticism, but they still have an, off, uh, an office and they're still worthy uh, of, of honor and respect from the people. If Jesus Christ, our chief example, showed honor and respect toward the leaders of his day, then surely we can lower ourselves and show honor and respect to the leaders that God has so appointed. But there's a deeper significance to this. As we've indicated in the scriptures, when the people rose up against Moses, they also rose up against God. So look in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Does this mean that we cannot protect ourselves? And does this mean that we should not protect ourselves? No, we're to love God and love our neighbor. But we are not to throw undue disrespect at all or curse or revile the leadership that God has put over our people. Romans chapter, we should pray for them. Oh, earnestly pray for them that God would save them and use them in a mighty way. Honestly, and this is, I am being honest, that our vice president, it seems as though, would do more damage for the cause of Christ than our current president. I, I pray for our president that, that he would make it at least the next couple months. And he, I say that not disrespectfully, but he is old. He is elderly. That he would not fall away and then we come under some other regime. I do pray for him in that regard. So look at the deeper significance in Romans chapter 14. I've said Romans chapter 14. It's Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Well, who is that? The, the rulers of our people, the gods, the, 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 the rulers of our people. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So if I, if I revile the gods or if I curse the gods, then I am reviling and cursing God himself. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resistance, the ordinance of God. That's as plain as how Paul can make it. Resisteth the ordinance of God, or the predestinated power of God. is resisting God himself. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, or destruction. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Not breaking any traffic laws shouldn't be worried when the police show up on the side of the road. Basically, in essence, what he's saying. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God and a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. I believe that's where we find ourselves in our nation today. That bearing the sword, the, this evil sword, this base sort of people, and they are evil and they are base. They are in the place of power. And I believe that it is a judgment upon this nation that we have the leadership that we have today. And I believe that's exactly what he's saying in verse 4. That God is executing his judgments upon this nation. And, and these people are, are executing the wrath upon this nation that so widely and so vividly adores the things of evil and of sin, having 
diff, different opinions and, and and alternative views on marriage and and and, and all type and, and, and drugs and and all the, all the evils that are present and everything is just okay. These leaders are appointed, they're voted for, and they're installed in office, and they're celebrated by a people that that are okay with them. It looks like that the that our current government in the position that they're in are, are the, doing the will and the work of God bringing forth judgment upon this nation. When will this nation ultimately fall? I don't know, but it will. It will. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for a conscience sake. So we know that, that the end of all things is at hand, First Peter. We know that the end of all things is at hand. We know that, that Antichrist must come. We know that, that the rapture is on its way. And we know that there's going to be an established one world government. What makes us think then that our country will just continue as is? No, it must fall. It must. Ye must needs be subject. Not subject in that we adore evil, but subject knowing that these things are happening according to the ordinance of God. Trusting God. Being subject to the powers that be. That's what it said again in verse 1. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What in the world is he saying in all that? All these people in these places, whether I like them or not, they are ordained of God in their place. Just as much as Adolf Hitler was and Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great, every, our mayor, whoever, they're all ordained in their place to be a ruler over the people. And to resist that will be resist God's providential care over his creation. Rulers profit those that do right, and they don't profit, usually, those that are doing wrong, usually. A criminal should fear the police. Not to avoid punishment only, but also for conscious sake or for morality's sake, or because we are not to revile the gods nor curse the ruler of our people, we are to be submissive to them. Verse 6, he told us to pay our taxes. And verse 7, when he said, render your dues, what does that mean? Tribute or taxes, those are personal or estate taxes of our property. The custom taxes were taxes like levies and importation and exportation, if you're, if you're doing any kind of goods or, or, or transport. That fear is referring to a reverence of a political sort, honoring them. And then he says honor, such as rank or office, showing a dignity or a value, right? Certain people you just don't turn your back on, and, and that would be such an honorable position. In some occasions, go back to the State of the Union. President walks in the room, everybody stands up. But notice not everybody claps, Right? Well, if we're going to truly honor what verse 28 says, if you were in that room, whether you liked him or you didn't like him, standing up and showing a, a respect toward the president, whoever that is, if you're red and he's blue, or, or if you're blue and he's red, whatever, showing a respect toward that, the office and that man who's in it. How did the Lord Jesus Christ behave on this matter? Matthew chapter 22. Because it's all good and well talking about it, but let's, I mean, if the Lord Jesus Christ, again, could, could condescend 
and not speak against such a lowly thing as his creation, a sinner, vile, unsaved. Chapter 22. Matthew, Matthew 22. Um, begin reading in verse 15. Matthew 22 and verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Well, they reviled him, didn't they? And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the per person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? So see, he, he didn't... He, did, he reviled them. That's not reviling him. You know, he, he he's not. He wasn't trying to slander them. He's just describing them. You know, he's, he's just telling them that, that they're hypocrites. They're sinners. They've got sinners' hearts. Show me the tribute money. And they brought him, the, him unto him a penny. And he said to them, whose is this image in superscription? Whose picture is this and what does it say? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God which things are God's. When they heard these words, when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So sure enough, you pull out a dollar bill, it says United States of America. So when they say, Hey, you owe 80% taxes, give it to them. It's not right, it's not good, and I don't like it, but it's theirs, give it to them. <coughs> what he's saying ultimately in verse 21, though, is something that has Caesar's image on it belongs to Caesar. Whose image do I bear? Whenever Noah came off the ark, the Lord said, hey, if you, any man that sheds man's blood, he'll be responsible for that man. Why? Because he's made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. So, he was respectful. He didn't revile these people. And he gave them some instruction on godliness, didn't he? If, everyone, if anyone could ever revile the gods, it would be Jesus Christ. But he didn't, neither did he curse the ruler of his people. He showed honor toward Caesar. Give that which is Caesar's unto Caesar, yet the more honor toward God. When they dishonored Moses in the Old Testament, they gave the more dishonor unto God. When I dishonor the ruler of my people, I give the more dishonor unto God. You see how that goes. He showed respect toward Caesar, but he showed more respect toward God. He did not diminish, revile, curse, or rail against Caesar. He didn't, he didn't talk about the taxation plan. He didn't argue with them about how inappropriate it was that they were taking money from God himself. He preached lawfully and he pointed to God himself. He pointed to God. He did not revile. Consider again the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And I know it's difficult because I, I mean, I'm guilty of this. It is, it, is, it is the natural way of man to condemn our rulers and to revile them and curse them, to, to hold them in contempt. It's the natural way of man. That's what Adam did against God in the garden. John chapter 18 and verse 33. Then Pilate entered into the judgment 
Paul again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Thou sayest this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? He asked him a question. Well, you might think, oh man, how disrespectful that he would ask Pilate a question. Well, that's not disrespectful at all. It's not sinful. We know it's not sinful. Jesus didn't sin. That's right. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, and I should that I should not be delivered by the, uh, to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. So you see the Lord Jesus Christ in his interaction with Pilate. Pilate was super critical. He was looking for a reason to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. He was looking for a reason that his hands would be clean and this matter would be closed. Yet he says in front of the multitude there, I find no fault at all, especially rising up. Remember in chapter 19, they said in verse 12, and from henceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, if, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh him a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth. So he's, he's going to crucify him at that point. But, but, but as far as reverence or reviling goes, he was, he was not reviling Caesar. He was just declaring his own kingdom. You see, if anybody could have been reviled, it would have been a Caesar. Do your own history lessons and your research. These, these men were, were not scrupulous men. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory did not revile against the leader over the people. No reviling, no cursing. He acknowledged Pilate's authority. Greater acknowledgement of God and the purpose of God, the power of God, the providence of God, and the provision of God. Sure. He submitted to the authority of Pilate. John chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. Then delivered he him before, uh, therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. Can you imagine the Son of God submitting himself? And, and, to, to, even to the death of the cross, he humbled himself. And he bearing his cross went forth into place, the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Yes, he humbled himself. He, he submitted himself to the authority that God had given Pilate for just a season. He submitted to the authority of God, 1837. To this end was I born. He submitted to God's authority. Submitting himself to the Jews and submitted himself to the wicked hands and submitting himself to Pilate, he submitted himself ultimately to God. So, children of God, as we submit ourselves to the, to the powers that be and to the rulers of our people and to the, to the gods, as it says, revile not the gods, as we submit ourselves to them, we are ultimately submitting ourselves to God himself and his providential care over us. Yes, we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And yes, we are to make stands. 
You can see throughout the scriptures that, that the apostles would stand before kings. And the Lord said, you will stand before kings and in judgment halls and in the temple. And you will be questioned. You will give an answer. He didn't tell them to acquiesce to their surroundings. He told them to be bold and fearless for the gospel's sake and for the glory of God. But that did not give them ever an occasion, ever an occasion to dishonor the powers that God had ordained. The Lord Jesus Christ, think about this, the Lord Jesus Christ to a religiously unsaved people in John chapter 10. They, they were... They were belittling him, but listen to his answer. And this is not reviling the gods. This is just facts. When I graduated nurse practitioner school, I told the governor of Louisiana that I was praying for him, and you should have seen the look on his face. Telling someone facts is not reviling the gods. And telling someone of God and telling and being bold for the gospel's sake is not reviling the gods. It is not disrespectful to tell a sinner to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 32 says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple. I'm on chapter 10, yes I am. Verse 23, on Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? Tell us, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you. And you believe not. Is he reviling them? Is he, is he dishonoring them in any way? Is he, is he loathing them here in a sense that he, that he is show, showing toward them a, 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 an, unwor an unworthiness? Is he being disrespectful in any way? I told you already. You believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. He's talking to people that one day at the great white throne, he knows full well he will cast them alive in the lake of fire. He knows that being God. Yet he's not disrespectful to them. He's, he does not revile them nor curse them. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any of any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He's given the greater honor unto the Lord. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. They wanted to kill him. Look at his response here. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? You see what he just did there? Why are you showing me such disrespect? Why are you taking up stuff? What have I done? Why are you showing me? I, I've been nothing but respectful to y'all. Why are you disrespecting me now? The Lord asks. Telling the truth to someone is not reviling them or cursing them. Calling attention to error, criminal activity, or sin is not reviling or cursing them. That's not reviling or cursing them. Being honest with someone. You can be honest. If you were to meet someone in our, in our government and be face-to-face -face with them and just be honest with them, 
That's not reviling them or cursing them. No, reviling and cursing them is a position of attitude to dishonor them or, or to, to bring them low, to, to express a disgust toward them. In avoidance of reviling and cursing, one does not condone, accept, or promote sin either. Acts chapter 5. They did, not, they did not condone, express, accept, or promote sin. They could not do anything but promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consider Acts chapter 23. And this really brings it to a head, as they say. This, this applies the whole thing. So Paul, being brought on charges and different examinations. Acts chapter 23, verse 1. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Punch him in the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee. Thou whited wall, or a whited sepulchre, or a, a tomb of dead man's bones. Yeah. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? So I'm in the right, Paul says, you're in the wrong, and God will judge you for it. And then it stood by, said, revilest thou God's high priest? Or are you dishonoring the priest? Look at what Paul says. Then Paul said, I wist not, or I knew not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. He declared, he was, in, he was in the right for his beliefs and what he was saying. He was in the wrong for reviling the high priest. You know what he just did in a public courtroom? He apologized and admitted fault. He had sinned against God by speaking against the high priest. The high priest was wrong, but Paul was wrong before God speaking against the high priest. You see how that applies? Paul did not sin in citing the law. He sinned in reviling or disrespecting or dishonoring the ruler of the people. He wasn't wrong in citing the law. He wasn't right in his behavior of the gospel. He wasn't right. He was, what he was wrong in doing is reviling the ruler of the people. Do you see then? And he should, what, what could he have done different? Okay, think about this. We're not going to change the word of God, nor, nor do we care to. But what could he have done differently? Maybe if he would have chosen his words a little bit better and in that hall been, been more honorable and respectful. Well, that's easy for you to say. You're, you're not the one getting punched in the mouth. Well, maybe we will be. You know, we're not just learning these things just for the cause of learning it. We might be able to practice these things one day very, very, very soon. People come in with handcuffs and guns and stuff, want to shut this whole thing down. What are we going to do? Thou shalt not revile the gods nor curse the ruler of thy people. Now, whatever we do, according to the gospel, we got to do that too. We are to be submissive and respectful. While at the same time, never leaving obedience to God. They come in and say, okay, you can't do this anymore. Yes, sir, I appreciate what you're saying. We're going to keep doing this. You, go, you, you do what you got to do, we're going to do what we're called to do. 
without reviling, without cursing, without loathing, without contempt, without dishonor. I want to reiterate also, children of God, and this is not reviling or cursing. This is just a statement of fact. Our leaders are evil. If you think they're not, then then we need to have a different conversation. These people are... There, there's all types of evil that they're involved with. Satanic level evil. Stuff they're involved in. Do not revile the gods, nor curse the, curse the rulers of thy people. Declare unto them their sinfulness. Declare unto them salvation in Jesus Christ. Do not dishonor them as they are the ministers and servants of God. They are executing God's judgments. It seems as though they're executing God's judgments on this nation and all over the world. Render unto them which is due, of which is honor, respect. More, give honor and respect and reverence unto the Lord whose servants they are. If you revile or, or, or curse against them, we're standing against the ordinance of God and even God himself. We saw that in the Old Testament with Moses and against the Lord, and we saw that in the book of Romans. It's not just an Old Testament thing, and it's not just a Jew thing. We're to see the duty of being civil and respectful toward our leaders. We're to see the devoutness unto the Lord with the chief example of Jesus Christ and to walk after his example. To broadcast the gospel and kingdom of God, to preach repentance unto sinners. And even if that brings us to our, 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 our demise, our death, then we're to do so glorifying God. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And as Paul, when we see ourselves in the wrong, then we are to stop ourselves at that time, in that moment. And make it known that we acknowledge we're not to honor or disrespect, dishonor or disrespect our leaders. Their deeds are evil. May we not compound and make worse for worse by committing sin and evil against God himself. We speak against the powers that be. We're speaking against the ordinance of God, God himself. And reviling the gods and cursing the rule of the people, we would be doing just that. Be cautious how you speak about your leaders. Make sure, and that doesn't mean you cannot criticize them, and please hear me, that does not mean we cannot criticize but hold tones of respect and honor for the place and the, and the position that they're in, giving the more honor unto God. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's, knowing that all things are of God, and by, by, by the word of his power all things consist. Sinner, I want you to hear this too. You revile all authority from the lowest to the highest, desiring to rule over yourself, and that goes back to the garden. You revile all authority. Oh, you, oh, dishonor. Huh. God didn't mean that. That's what Satan said to our first parents. God didn't mean that. And there's been a disrespect toward God by every person of Adam's race, save Jesus Christ himself. You curse all authority. In that, in the lowest of the highest, you desire to rule over yourself. You loathe it. What, what child by nature loves to be overseen by their parent? What, what child loves submission? Now you catch them in their infancy when they're squalling. Try to put somebody out of bed in the bed that doesn't want to go to bed, and they just they just bawl. Ah! Don't 
No, they, they curse the gods. That's what that is, is cursing the ruler of the people. That's our nature. That's your nature. Ultimately, you want to rule yourself. I will be like the Most High. In doing so, you resist the power, provision, and providence of God. You're a rebel. One that resists and rises in op opposition against a ruler. A rebel. I tell you what, every rebellion against God ends in tragedy. Every rebellion against God ends in tragedy. It has to. Otherwise, he'd be overthrown. The tragedy, either you will be cast alive in the lake of fire as the just reward of your rebellion, as a just reward of you reviling against the gods, and as a just reward of you cursing the ruler of the people, and as a just reward of you sticking your nose at God and thumbing him, as a just reward of your sin, of your exaltation of self against the throne of God Almighty, your just reward. Or the tragic yet blessed scene of the sinless and perfect Son of God, though not a reviler, though not one to loathe authority, he humbled himself even to the death of the cross that his name will be above all others. Being judged, he saved his people from their sins. What humility. That's an expression of saving grace is what it is. Your rebellion will be judged. Will it be judged upon you or has it been judged upon Jesus Christ? I can't say. But it must be judged. A violation of this law is sin, and the wages of sin is death. A violation of this law, thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the Lord of thy people. And for this very point, every single person is guilty before God. Now what? Well, you're not going to revile more and revile more and press into yourself and revile more. Did you know... Think about this. Did you know that if reviling is thinking little account, oh, it's nothing, it's, it's trifling, it's nothing. And if, if cursing means to see as loathsome or show disgust for, if somebody tries to save themselves by what they think they know or by what they do, they're reviling and cursing the finished work of Jesus Christ. They're saying his work is loathsome. I can do better, and I'm sure going to try. Oh, his, his work, as Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations, is it nothing to you, ye that pass by? Is it, is it to be reviled? Is, the, is that work of redemption to be reviled? Well, sinner, apparently so. You both revile and curse the work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a scary position? I would encourage you in this very moment to see the wickedness of that position, to see the sinfulness of that position and the futility of that position. 
see that ye must be born again. Repent. Do not revile nor curse the work of Christ. Repent. Turn from that. And rather than cursing him and loathing him and disrespecting him and trampling underfoot his cause, depend wholly and completely upon his work for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Honor him. Respect him. Give him the great adoration that is due his name. By the power of God, believe and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.